Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. I love preaching about relationships because it's an issue that we all have. We all want to get better at it. And let's be real. Our relationship problems and drama all started way before you were in this room. So some of you guys started when you were in middle school and high school. I grew up in a world where we would write notes to each other. How many remember writing notes in class to the person that you're significant, your boo, and you'd write the note and you'd wait for them to respond back? So I thought to have some fun to open up this series, I would read some notes that were confiscated by some teachers and we would be able to laugh for a little bit today. Are y'all okay with this? Uh, I, I thought this first one was good. This girl wrote a guy a note. She wrote it like this. She said, hey, are you ready to be there when I'm mad or need to cry and I can do things that I can't do with anyone else but with you? So she's, she's putting the, put it in his court and then he responds with, yes, I am ready unless I'm eating fried chicken. He knows priorities, setting, setting the rules right away. She says, so chicken is more important than me? And he responds with, no, only fried chicken is more important. She says, and only when I'm hungry. But if it's not, then you are the one thing I care about right there. That's funny. That's so good. Uh, this one guy wrote one to, to Wendy. I thought this one was so good. He says, dear Wendy, he goes, I know this is weird, but I like you so much. And I didn't want to tell you because you would hit me in the middle. Come on, Wendy don't play no games, does she? You would hit me in the middle. He says, so I got you something for you, and I hope you like it. And, and I hope you like me, and I, I will take care, care, care of you. It's not just one care. Care, care, care. You know this guy's going to care. And he says, and I will not be sad. I mean, and, and if you have a boyfriend, then that's fine. And I will not be sad. But I'll buy you whatever you want, even 100 pairs of shoes. Come on, somebody. He knows the weight of a girl's heart right there. I hope you have a great Valentine's. Love, Julian. Come on, how many that's a real love right there? Love, Julian. Um, I think this one's great because how many remember the check the box? Like, you know, uh, yes or no. So this is what, do you like me? He writes to her and she, you know, check one of the two, yes or no. She responds with, you can tell the maturity level between guys and girls here. That's another level. She responds with, I don't know. I don't even know myself yet. Plus, I'm under a lot of stress at home, so I can't tell. <laughs> then she goes on, P.S., you don't know yourself until you're 18. <laughs> and if you're a teenager in here, there's wisdom in that right there. So the next guy took it up a notch because it's not yes or no only. You have to add a third option. So he goes, hey, it's yes, no, or maybe. Would you please be my girlfriend? And then yes, or no, maybe. And, and he writes, P.S., please put yes, no, or maybe. She responds with, I'm sorry, I already have a boyfriend, Kyle. But when we break up, you're my next choice. <laughs> P.S., That'll probably be a month or two. <laughs> Y'all got one more? Y'all okay with one more? <laughs> this next one's my favorite. He writes her, hey, I love you with all my butt. I would say heart, but my butt's bigger. Come on, somebody. <laughs> 
Oh, that's funny right there. I'm going to talk to you today in the opening of this series about the number one killer of your relationships. Whether it's your friendship, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your family dynamic, the number one killer. I put it on my social media for people to submit what they think the number one killer to relationships is. And um, as of like 9 o'clock last night, I looked at the results and dozens and dozens of you guys wrote in and not one person put the correct answer. So what it shows me is people have no clue what it actually is that is killing every relationship. And so they had a lot of common answers that were submitted. But today I'm not going to talk to you about the, the common things that everybody talks to you about. I'm going to talk to you about the root issue of why your relationships suffer or why they're not thriving right now. So the number one killer of relationships. And so I hope today that you realize this isn't a message just for anybody else. It's a message for you. Because this is an issue everybody deals with, and if you're not careful, it'll creep in and it'll kill whatever relationship you're in. So if you're ready to hear what the number one killer of relationships is, say yes. Yes. All right, write it down in your notes. We're going to talk about selfishness today. We're going to talk about selfishness. We're going to deal with the issue that we all deal with, because I don't think anything has plagued our relationships more than the issue of selfishness. The issue that it's all about us and what I can get out of it. Here's what selfishness is. We are a note-taking church. So why don't you write it down. Selfishness is being concerned with one's own interest above the interest of others. It's, it's all about my needs. It's all about what I want. It's how I feel. And it's crippling relationships right now. And it's probably killing some of the relationships you're in. So we need to hit it head on. Katie and I uh, started dating when I was my last year of college, and so we, uh, it, I was a senior. She was had two years left, and so um, I go on to to end up graduating about six months into our relationship, and then I moved to a country called Sri Lanka. It's an island off the coast of India where I did missions work. So for six months we were together. Six months we were long distance, and we talk every day. But I was extremely selfish, 21 years old. It was all about me. It was all about what I wanted. And, and I remember coming back to the States around Christmas time, and I was adamant on the fact that I did not want to stay in this relationship because everything in my life was about me. So I wanted to travel, and I wanted to do this big missions work, and, and I wanted to live my life without any kind of restrictions on my life. So I decided, you know what, I think I'm going to end this relationship. Well, we had Christmas coming up. And then we had our one-year dating anniversary. So I knew, because I'm a smart man, those are two very expensive holidays in a relationship. So being the selfish guy that I am, I did not end it after those holidays. I ended it right before it. So I get home a week before Christmas, two weeks before our anniversary. I end the relationship, and I call it quits. Now, if you know Katie Burke, you know that she is like an angel sent from God. So if you can be mean to Katie, like there's something wrong with you. And I look back and I realize the reason the relationship died at that time was simply because I was selfish. Now, by God's grace, he redeemed the relationship four years later. We got engaged and got married. You'll hear more about that story next week. But what I realized is any time in our life that any issues come up, the root cause of all of them is rooted in this issue that we're talking about today called selfishness. It's something that we all deal with. It's a part of life. Let me just say it this way. It's a part of our culture. We say things in our culture like, do what makes you feel good. Follow your heart. 
Always look out for number one. Do you do you. Statements like this, treat yourself. Treat yourself. Just, just have your day. It's all about you. And listen, I'm all about self-care and taking care of who, who you are. But there's something that will creep in into relationships and it'll end up killing who we are called to be in our friendships and in our marriage and with our kids. And it's not just in culture, it's in nature. Let me show you how we all got a little bit of selfishness, okay? So if you see a group photo and you say that group photo is okay, the only reason you said it was okay it's because you looked at yourself in that picture. You are not going through that picture looking at every single person going, let me make sure it's a great photo. No, they can be cross-eyed and have spinach in their teeth. But as long as you're looking good, that photo needs to go online right there. Because why? We all got a little bit of this in us. It's also, it's not just in our, in our nature. It's also in our upbringing. As a kid, I, I have five kids that are nine and under. And they have a bunch of toys. You know, it's just like the world we live in. And they'll go a year without playing with a toy until one of their siblings grabs that toy. And then as soon as they're, 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 man, they fall to the ground, I want it, they're stealing my stuff. I'm going, listen, you haven't played with that thing one time. What's the cause? Selfishness. It's who we are. Here's some signs that there's selfishness in, in your life and in a relationship. It's that you're pursuing personal gain over the gain of the relationship. This idea that it's all about what can I get out of it instead of how can we grow. Here's another one. It's you're not attending to the needs of others. So you're, you're looking after your own needs instead of their needs. Here's another one. You feel entitled to more than what a person can offer you. They should be giving me more time. They should be giving me more, more attention. They, they should be buying me more stuff. These are, these are statements we make. That are signs of selfishness. Here's another one. You just lack empathy. So you stop caring. You stop feeling what they're feeling. It's a real issue. You say a statement like, it's my way or the highway. Since when did it go from till death do us part till my way or the highway? What, what, what makes that change? Selfishness does. Here's one more. It's that you start avoiding sacrifice. And when a sacrifice is avoided... The result is, is that selfishness creeps in. Because any healthy relationship, there's going to be sacrifice that's involved in it. James says it this way. For where there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there's our phrase right there. There's selfish ambition. It's all about what I can get. There is disorder and every evil thing. So if you have evil, if you have struggles, if you have problems in your relationship... The root of it is that there's probably some selfish ambition there. So people wrote online and they said the issues are communication. And, and the number one issue is, is money or sex. And all of those are real issues. But I would say the root of all of those issues is selfishness. So today we got to get to the root of all of this. And if we'll deal with selfishness, you'll be able to see breakthrough in every other area of your life. So what's the result of allowing selfishness into our life? Here's the first one is distance. Nobody wants to get close to you. you. Nobody wants to be around a leader or a person that's selfish. It's all about them. So if you like, you're like, I make friends, but then they don't stay around. I would evaluate. Maybe there's some selfishness there. Why? Because people don't want to be close to you. Here's the second one. You get some resentment. You get resentment. There's resentment in the relationship. There's bitterness in the relationship. Why? Because you're, you're mad. They didn't do this for you the way you wanted them to do it for you or 
or they didn't show up the way you wanted them to show up. You get a little resentful. Then you start fighting, and there's disagreements. And there's not disagreements about, like, big things. It's about, like, small things become major things. So you start fighting, and Katie and I see this in our relationship all the time. Anytime there's an argument about a dumb thing, and by the way, if you're going to be married any amount of time, you're going to argue about some dumb stuff. Just dumb stuff. And when we realize that we were arguing about dumb stuff, the root of all of it, it's one of us is being selfish. Majority of the time, it's me. It's just being selfish. And then the last thing is then you start to doubt. Then you start to doubt. And when, you're, when selfishness is in there, you doubt, man, does anybody even care about me? Is anybody on my team? Is this relationship even supposed to happen? And you realize, man, the more that there's selfishness in there, there's more distance, more resentment, more disagreements, more doubt. There's a problem, and the relationship starts to end. C.S. Lewis says it this way. Selfishness has never been admired. So nobody's admiring a selfish life. What, is, what do they look at? They look at that couple. They've been married 40, 50, 60 years. What's the secret to that marriage? None of them are always saying, hey, you, make sure you always get your way. <laughs> make, sure, make sure you're always right in every argument. No, it's what can I give? How can I serve? It's all about making them happy and then I'm happy. Why? That's what's admired in our world today. Don't, don't sit there and think, man, it's all about you. It's not all about you. Here's the fact I want you to walk away with today. Ready? Is that selfishness is a cancer that must be intentionally removed from a relationship for it to survive. So if you want your friendships to survive, you want your relationship with your kids to survive, your relationship with your siblings to survive, your romantic relationship, your marriage, you want it to survive, you have to understand that selfishness is a cancer. And we do not treat cancer lightly. What do we do? We identify it, we cut it out, and we remove it so that it can survive. And I want you to know, until you remove selfishness from your relationships, they will never thrive the way God wants them to thrive. So let's get rid of it today. How do we do this? This is what I love about God's Word. God's Word has solutions to all of man's problems. And so we have an issue today. We have a major problem. The number one killer of relationships is selfishness. So what do we do about it? Well, there's a great passage in God's word about it. And the Apostle Paul, one of the leaders of the church, wrote to um, a church named Philippi. And the book is called the Philippians. Philippians. And if you have your Bible, I want you to turn there because I want you to see the passage. It's in Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 1. And he addresses our issues of selfishness. He says, therefore... If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. I love this. Having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. What, what is he saying in this passage? He's saying, listen, I want you to be in good relationships with each other. I want you to get along with each other. You shouldn't have drama after drama after drama. Like your, your life, you should be united in your relationships. Then he goes on to say, how do we do this? Look at this next verse. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That word vain conceit, it's that root word vanity. It's where we get the word narcissist from. He's saying, listen, don't be a narcissist if you want your relationships to work. You can't be all about you. So then he goes on to say it like this. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking after your own interests, but each of you 
to the interest of others. And then one more verse, verse 5. This is so huge. Watch. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What is our standard for a relationship is not that of this globe or those are people. Our standard in how we treat people is simply this. We have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. There was never a more selfless, a more giving, a more sacrificial person on the planet than Jesus. And he is our example of how we treat other people. Can I hear a good amen today, church? So, so how do we pr practice this? How do we play this out? I'm going to give you three ways from this passage to overcome selfishness that we all deal with. So number one, write it down this way, is that we got to remember how, remember how God has redeemed you. You got to remember how God has redeemed you. You got to remember that you're a Christian. And as a Christian, we understand that we are not that great, but our God is incredibly great. And anytime we start believing our impressed that we're something special, we've missed it because it's not about us, it's all about him. So what does he say in our passage? He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, like, hey, if there's anything to be excited about, that you've been united with Christ, he goes, any comfort from his love, any sharing in his spirit, any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete by doing what? Because you've been united with Christ, here's what you do. You're like-minded. You're in the same love and the same spirit as one another. In other words, get along with each other. And it's always rooted in this one idea that we know who we are and we know what God has done in our life. That we have been saved by him. If you walk around thinking everybody should treat me so great, you've missed it. We are but dirt that we came from, but dirt that we will go back to. It is but by the grace of God that we have been saved and rescued and redeemed. And I'm so glad that he chose us. But we got to remember that. Because it'll help us, keep us in check from selfishness. Let me give you an example. Um, uh, a year or two ago, a guy in our church, he goes to our brand and location. I know he's joining us right now. And uh, he was at our brand and location. He, he texted me. He said, hey, I've got some tickets to the Bucks game tonight. You want to come with me? So and I've been to the Bucks games before. It's a blast. It's fun. Uh, you know, we, we celebrated their glory days that just ended. So we're sad about that. I'm just kidding. We're praying with the enemies meant for bad. God will turn around for the good. So um, I said, yeah, I'd like to come. So he's like, just want you to know, these are not normal tickets. These are like, these are like box seats. These are like the best. You're going to be in the lounge. It's, it's a whole different thing. I said, oh, good. well, I haven't experienced that before, so let's do it. So I get there, and I'm telling you, I've never felt like more of a VIP in my entire life. They take us to these special seats, and, and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're away from everybody else. Like, you don't want to be around people. No, no, no. And you have your own server, and they're, like, serving you food. Hey, come on. It's good to know some good people, right? And so uh, and they, they, all the drinks you want, all the food you want, they have all these buffets, all this stuff. They're like, sir, would you like another hot pretzel? Yes, I'll have two. That's what I would like. Yes, I would. Just bring it my way. So uh, uh, a few months later, he texts me again. And he said, hey, um, do you want to come to the game with me? And I said, yes. And he's like, well, pastor, you normally pray about stuff. Are you need to pray about it? I go, no, I prayed. God said yes. Like, let's just do this right now. It's always going to be yes. And if you're watching, yes, it's always yes. So um, he, he brings me to the game again. So I've gone like three or four times now with him. It's like a blast. It's such a cool experience. So imagine this. Imagine next year I, I don't go with him to the game, and I just show up to that lounge. Imagine I walk up to the lounge, and I'm like, hey. Yo, 
I'm here, big dog. It's here. Ready. Hey, 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 put me in the same seat. Put me in the same seat. And by the way, bring those pretzels right now. And a hot dog. Let's go for it. Come on, come on. Let's do this thing. What are they going to do? They're going to toss me out. Because I believed a lie that I got the treatment because of something I am instead of who I was with. And let me just tell you, as a Christian, don't believe this lie that that blessing and favor you're experiencing in your life is something about the idea that you've done something great. We are but the product of the grace of God. It's not because of who we are. It's all because of who he is. And he's a good God that loves to bless his people. So why is this important? Because Paul tells us this way. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. You hear that phrase right there? So, so I'm all about positive thinking. I'm all about, you know, doing those affirmations every day. Make sure you talk yourself up. But we need to stay in reality. We need to think of ourselves with sober judgment. And he says, here's how. In accordance to the measure of faith that God has given you. So let's remember that every blessing we have in our life is but by the grace of God. And here's what selfishness is. Ready? Write it down. Selfishness is self-idolatry. You hear that? Because that means that you're worshiping yourself more than him. It's all about you instead of all about God. And our life is ready for collapse. Our relationships are ready for collapse when we make it all about us. Selfishness is the opposite of humility. And selfishness is worshiping self rather than God. And here's what I wrote down. Ready? Entitlement and selfishness go hand in hand. Both say, I deserve, I deserve better, when in reality, we deserve death and we deserve nothing. So what, what do we do? I've realized in my life, when I focus on his grace, I can't help but feel grateful. So I wake up every day just so overwhelmed. Oh, God. I look at that, my wife, and I go, I, I'm just so focused on his grace. God, you never, I never deserved it, but you blessed it. You do, I'm just walking in gratitude. Well, I realize because it's not about me. It's all about God's grace in my life. So, so I, I'm, I'm telling you, I woke up this morning thinking about you. Radiant, I don't deserve to be up here. I really don't. I look at this going, God, you gave me another Sunday. What a blessing. What a joy it is. Can you imagine if I had an entitled mentality? Well, yeah, you better listen to me. That, that would never work. Why? Because when, when I focus on his grace, my attitude is always going to be gratitude. But here's the second one. When I focus, when I forget his grace, I can't help but feel entitled. Because in any success I feel in my life, I think it's because of who I am. So Paul starts this off and says, you want to rid selfishness from your life? Just remember how God has redeemed you. And so can we take about five seconds? I know you're taking notes. But can we take about five seconds and just once more just thank God for redeeming us and for saving us and for changing our life? Where would we be without our Jesus? We're so thankful for you, God. Here's number two. How do we overcome selfishness? It's that we seek to serve others. We seek to serve others. There's something about making it all about them, all about other people. Because I believe this. A perfect marriage is too selfless people working hard to outserve the other person. Let me say it again. A perfect marriage is two selfless people who are working hard to outserve the other person. And, and so whenever you feel selfishness creeping in to your friendships, to your family, to your relationship, find ways to serve the other person. How does Paul say this? He says, do nothing out of selfish 
ambition, or vain conceit. In other words, he says, don't be selfish, and here's how you're not selfish. Rather, in humility, look at this word, ready? Value others above yourself. So, Pastor Ryan and Kirsten, y'all come up here. I'm going to use you an example. I want you to see that scripture one more time. Look what it says. It says, value. That word value, it's not really a relational word. It's actually a money word. It's actually a word when it comes to weight and numbers. So what it means to value is it means to put weight on somebody. So this is a nice little married couple here. And so we're going to, uh, this is a, the, 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 the seesaw of marriage here, okay? So we got our seesaw marriage. And so in this moment, this is a perfect marriage. A perfect marriage is, it's, it's, you know, it's back and forth, back and forth. It's not staying still, it's back and forth. Look at you guys, back and forth, back and forth. Now, that's great for this. But how do you practically, how do you practically see this play out? How do you serve others? Because the Bible says, in humility, value the other person. So Ryan says, man, I want to value my wife. I want to add value to her. I want to put weight into her. So how does he do it? He serves her. So how does he serve her? He, he says, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get your car washed, or I'm going to fill it up with gas, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write her a little note with little flowers. And he doesn't understand it, but what's actually happening is weight is being put on her side. And now, now we're able to have the actual seesaw going, right? Because why? Because now we have a seesaw going because now weight's been added to one side. And then you know what she's going to do? She's not going to sit there with it just on her side and go, well, that's great. I can't wait for him to do something else for me. What is she going to do? She's going to go, how can I now in service? Because a perfect marriage, remember, is two selfless people working hard to outserve the other one. She's going to sit there and go, well, I know Ryan likes French toast and he likes breakfast in bed. So I'm just going to go. I'm guessing about all that, by the way. I don't, I don't know their relationship. It's accurate. Okay, good. So she's going to find a way to serve him. And in a perfect marriage, it's, it's back and forth. And then he's going to find a way to serve her. And the weight's going to go back and forth, back and forth. You know why? Because they realize it's not about them. It's about how can I bless the other person? How can I serve the other person? I, I write it down this way. Because the opposite of being selfish is actually being a servant. And I want you to thrive in getting selfishness out of your life. So the way you do it is you, you become a servant. And you find ways to serve the other person. First Corinthians says it this way. No one should seek their own good but the good of others. So as you're looking at this illustration and you're thinking of your friends and you're thinking of your marriage and you're thinking of your, your kids, here's the question I want to ask you. It was when is the last time you intentionally served someone you loved? When's the last time that you intentionally took some weight and you put it in their court and you go, I'm here to serve them? And I understand the frustration. And I understand the issue where you go, well, they don't ever do anything for me. You just keep adding value. You keep adding value. You keep putting the weight in there. Because here's why. Write it down. Because selfishness is a drain in the relationship, always. It'll always drain your relationship. But service is always a deposit in the relationship. So when you serve the other person, it puts deposits in that relationship. You guys did a great job. Give it up for this couple. They did amazing right there. Number three, are you still with me? Say yes. Hope you're learning something today as we get this out of our life. How do we overcome selfishness? We remember how God redeemed us. We learn to serve other people. And number three is we determine to die daily. Now, this is a Christian phrase that we see throughout the scriptures, but I want to explain it. Because if you're not careful, self will continually come in 
and well, they're not helping me, and they're not, you're not taking care of me, and, and, and they don't notice me. And, and so many times, our biggest issue in life is just simply this idea of ourself, our flesh. They didn't make me feel this way. And, and this is why I hear marriages end all the time where they stop making me happy. Since when is that the reason you got into a marriage? Since, since when is that an okay reason to leave a marriage? Like, no, listen, your desire and your, your plans to have happiness, by the way, that died on the cross. Why? We die daily. You know what Paul says? He says, I die daily. I make a decision to lay down my life every single day. That's the life that I live. And if you're going to change the world, you're going to realize that there's going to be days where you have to lay down your life and you say, it's not about me. I'm going to make it about other people. So what does Paul say in our passage? He says, he says, don't look after your own interests. Now, this is hard because my own interests are very interesting. Your, inter- your interests are not as interesting to me. But mine are very interesting. I was with my son the other day, and I was trying to have like a father-son bonding moment. So I was like, son, tell me what's going on in your life. He's five. And he's like, well, uh, let's wait on the keys. This is too funny to, it's like, we'll get there in a second. Um, he's like, he's like, he's like, oh, well, you know, if, if Spider-Man fights Hulk, then, and I'm sitting there, and as soon as he started, I go, this is the most boring conversation I've ever thought of my, my entire life. There's nothing I want more than to finish this. Like, this conversation is just terrible. And I can say that. I know he's not watching this, so I love you, so, um. And what, is it, what does it take? Well, I want the relationship to thrive. So what I have to do, I have to intentionally lean in. Oh, really? Tell me about that. What did Paul say? He says, don't look after your own interest. He goes, but each of you to the interest of others. Make it about other people. And, and why? Why is this so important? We have to learn to realize that we are not called to meet our needs, to try to do what makes us happy. No, we laid down our life that's what happened in salvation thank you you can go now (laughs) watch how the room will change galatians chapter 220 look what he says i have been crucified with christ and i no longer live it's my desires my dreams my plans they've been laid down but christ lives in me and the life i now live in the body i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me. Whenever that self comes up, you remind yourself, wait, 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 this feeling of entitlement, this feeling of I deserve, this feeling of I hope I get better. No, all of that goes to the wayside. And you remind yourself, no, 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 I am no longer living. It is Christ that lives in me. I was nailed to that cross with him, and I laid down my life then, and I will move on to what he's called me to do with my life. We live a life that is selfless. So here's why, last note, ready? It's because true happiness isn't found in what you get. Everything right now is get, 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 get. But it's found in the life that you give. It's found in the life that you give. And I'm just a firm believer that if we'll learn to remember how God has redeemed us, start serving one another, and then die to ourselves, and watch how our relationships will thrive as we rid ourselves from selfishness.
There's two people I want to pray for today, two groups, as I close out this service. The first one is your relationships are struggling. And I believe the Holy Spirit is revealing that the reason they're struggling is because there's some selfishness in there. You just need to, maybe you need to remember how God redeemed you. Maybe you need to start serving somebody. Or maybe you need to just die to yourself and say, God, I'm just giving up those, those dreams, those desires. I'm going to die to myself. And we're going to pray for you in just a second. But there is a second group. And I want you to hear me, this second group, because the Lord has given me a major compassion for you this morning. And it's a group of people who are listening to this, who are watching this message, who are in these services. And you're in a season where all you're doing is being selfless. Maybe you're in a caretaker situation. Maybe you're raising little kids and you're giving and giving and there's no reciprocation of that. There's no kids coming up to you going, mother and father, thank you for all the sacrifice. The weight is always being put on them and you just feel empty and you feel drained and I get it, I've been in those shoes before. Man, Lord, I just really feel like he wanted to encourage some people who are constantly being selfless, who are constantly giving. And here's the verse God gave me and I just want it to be one you hold on to. Psalm 37, he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Some of you, just hold on to that. Trust God and keep doing it. Keep serving, keep loving, keep pouring to those kids, keep taking care of that parent, keep doing what God's called you to do. Keep doing good. You'll dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. And then he says, take delight in the Lord. And you know what God will do? He will give you the desires of your heart. So I've come to encourage somebody today around Tampa Bay to say, if you keep serving people, God will serve you. You keep blessing people, God will bless you. You keep adding value to other people, our God will add value to your life. Hold on to that promise today, church. So let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, speak to people right now. If there's selfishness in our lives, rid us. Rid us from it right now. Just ask the Lord, God, take it out of me. Any selfishness in my relationships, any selfishness with my family and my workplace, God, let me walk with the same mindset as Christ Jesus right now. Rid ourselves from that. And Lord, for that second group that's constantly giving and giving and giving, and this nobody's giving it back to them, Lord, as they serve people, as they live a life that's selfless, would you add value into their life? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every head bowed. We want to address one more group of people that are in the room, and those are those who do not have a relationship with God, the most important relationship you could ever have in your life. I believe God has a significant plan for each and every one of you loves you so much, but there's something that stands in between you and a relationship with God, and that is sin. Now, God knew that there was a plan for the sin. Isn't the plan? His name is Jesus. And Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death on a cross, was raised three days later so that you and I could have new life in Jesus. So for those who have not made that decision today, I want to give you a moment to be able to respond to what God has done for you. So in just a second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand when I count to three, to make a decision to follow Jesus today. It'll be the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. So one, 
Jesus loves you so much too. Today is your day three. Would you shoot your hand up if you want to make a decision? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, if that's you, make your decision today. I want to follow Jesus. Shoot your hand up and put it right back down. Thank you. I see that. Thank you. Thank you. Can we all say a prayer together today? Dear Jesus, today I make a decision to follow you. Forgive me of my past, my present, and my future. Thank you for dying for me. Today I choose to live for you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, Ray Church, can we celebrate all of those who made the best decision ever today? Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.